All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Midweek Podcast. Uh, Pastor Josh here and Carl. Carl's here again. Yeah. I, I'm loving this. This is, this is fantastic. It is, actually. I do look forward to it. Good. Yeah. Well, I, I look forward to it, too. <laughs> uh, yeah. Should we tell everybody we went on a mandate the other night? And, uh, well, not went somewhere. We just watched Apollo 11. We did watch Apollo 11. That was fun. Which was fantastic. If you, if you enjoy space movies, Apollo 11. Yeah. Documentaries, space movies, Apollo 11. Fantastic. I agree. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. That's for another another episode. <laughs> Is that it, the review of Apollo? The review, okay, yeah. Okay. We, we should start a, a review podcast. Let's that'd, do it. That'd okay. be fantastic. Anyway, today that, we are... That, that's in addition to the fashion one that we were going to start, too. Right? I mean... I mean, there's a lot of ideas rolling through okay, my head. Let's do it. You know? But today. But today we find ourselves in Genesis chapter 37, 39, and 40. And this is the story of Joseph. And we'll we'll track with Joseph all the way from the time that he is the favorite son with a with a multicolored coat, all the way to the time that he interprets dreams for uh, a baker and a cupbearer in prison. And so his story is quite fascinating because ultimately he's the favorite son. He has this gift of interpreting dreams. He uses that gift to kind of tell his brothers, basically one day you're going to bow down to me. Uh, it makes everybody angry, which it would, especially one that you're the favorite too, that you're using these uh, giftings to really shove some stuff in their face. So they throw him into a pit, sell him off into slavery, goes to Potiphar's house, this uh, this master that he has. And uh, Potiphar's wife is really into him. Like she is a cougar and she she wants, she desperately wants to get this young cub. And uh, is that in the text? It's not in the text. Okay. I'm paraphrasing okay, it now. This right. is this is the, not Eugene Peterson. This is not sure. the message. Okay. This is just the, okay. the, Josh saying okay. paraphrase. Okay. Uh, so here she is saying, "Oh, hey, I think I think you're attractive. Come come to bed with me." He says, "No, why would I do that?" Stands with integrity in the middle of it. Anyway, gets accused of uh, assaulting her, raping her, and uh, and Potiphar doesn't have anything to do with it. Sends him to jail, and it's in jail uh, for several years, where he uh, then interprets dreams for the king's baker and the king's uh, cupbearer. But even through all of those times, God's with him. Several times in the text, actually, when he's in Potiphar's house, God is with him and shows him favor, and he gains a lot of favor with Potiphar and does uh, amazing things, ma starts managing Potiphar's house. Mm -hmm. Then in jail, finds favor with the warden and starts caring for the jail overall. I mean, he is this inmate who's obviously taking care of the jail. And so there is this whole space with Joseph where... He ends up having these these cards handed to him that are awful, that are no good. People are accusing him of things that he's never done before. Mm -hmm. And the whole time, he can either be a victim or he could decide to kind of live in this space of, I'm going to trust God in the middle of it. And Pastor Marvin's three points from this past weekend I thought were really great. And they were, one, that even though... Um, Joseph has experienced all of this stuff, backstabbing from family, all of these horrible situations. He refused to quit. He continued to persevere, to keep going, and to really do the best work he could do wherever he found himself, to flourish where he was planted. Mm -hmm. The second thing was that Joseph stayed faithful to God when it didn't matter to anyone else. He had every reason to compromise. Here he is far away from home. There is a woman wanting to sleep with him and he does not do it. 
for the sake of integrity, for his care for his master, as well as just he didn't want to sin against the Lord. And then the third one was he, that Joseph trusted God to work things out. I mean, literally, he becomes a slave, and he's trusting God to work things out. He's a prisoner. He's an inmate, and he's trusting God to work things out. And this is, uh, this is a very popular story, I think. For, yeah, for sure. I, I think this yeah. is something that we, you know, for those of us that were born, that went to church in the 80s and 90s. With the flannel graphs. Flannel graphs, yeah. felt boards. Yeah, I for mean, sure. You know, we've, we, we've kind of looked at the story yeah. over and over again. Um, but really, when you're taking a look at it, what, what really strikes you from this story out of those three things? So one, like, let, let's talk about his refusal to quit. How easy would it have been for him to just give up? I mean, yeah, I mean, this, the cards were pretty stacked against him from the beginning. Um, you know, his his own family hated him. I mean, you think it, literally he was at the bottom of a pit. So mm. we think about that metaphorically or, you know, uh, but he was literally at the bottom of a yeah, pit. Literally. Uh, and I think it could, you could think, you know what, this is it. That's it. We're done. Um, and then there, yeah, there would have just been many times when it just would have, the easier, easiest thing would have been to do would just to just be to quit and uh i mean and so in, uh, obviously in our culture there's a lot of you know people write books on hustling and not quitting and things mm-hmm. like that but you know i think it's even it's even deeper than than uh killing yourself to to try and make money i think i think it's way beyond just that too um and so i think um you know not letting the the hardships take you down i think is i mean that's it's pretty inspiring do, do you think that's that's actually true of the Christian community that we have a grit to us? <laughs> well, that, that is a, that is a good, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I mean, for me, sometimes it's hard to separate general culture from Christian culture, but, um, no, but, but on, in all honesty, overall, like when you look at the church, mm-hmm. when you look at, so forget, I mean, we're North America, so we let's are. just look okay. at the North American yep. church. Yeah. And look at all of the feel-good sermons or, mm-hmm. like, everything's going to be okay. Even, you know, you yeah. and I have talked yeah. about this whole phrasing, phraseology of the best is yet to come. Right. Is there actually a grit? Is there this refusal to give up even when the situations are so devastating and so bad um, that that they merit, they you know, they, they merit giving up, but we don't? Right. And I mean, I think uh, there's a denial that, you know, that being in a, in those situations is where we're supposed to be, too. Sure. Uh, so I think, yeah, I mean, obviously there are whole subsections of Christianity that, um, you know, again, if you're in those situations, then there's there's something wrong with mm-hmm. you, for one mm-hmm. thing. You've, you're doing something wrong if if you're in those situations. And so, yeah, there there isn't a lot of, um, there isn't a lot of, you know, space for that. Um and uh, yeah, I think, I mean, it's interesting being, being in, I've been in several, you know, threads of Christianity in the last few years and somewhere it actually does, you do revel more in the, you know, in, in, in the travesty of things. And, and it does actually not a good place to be just a revel in it either. So there must, there must be, again, as, as was a, a kind of a theme that we have coming up fairly often, there must be somewhere in the middle to yeah. be, to be longing for something more but not you know knowing knowing that um that there's a the perseverance is needed and that just because we're in the situation doesn't mean that um that we did something wrong or that uh that god doesn't actually want us there either 
But then, ha- but then, how do you how do you look at things like when? How do you filter out the stuff that Paul says then in trials and tribulations? Mm-hmm. Rejoice in those. <sighs> yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. I mean, I can like I, I'm pretty good at after they're done, yes. I can look back and rejoice. Yes. So the so once they're done, I can rejoice and say, well, th- you know, that brought me through all this. But yeah, in the moment, not not so good at that. Because Paul's whole idea essentially is to build perseverance in you, mm. right? To look at the things that are happening around you, uh, to to create this grit. This you know, you're in the middle of it. This is not necessarily God's will, right? But because of the fallenness of the world, you're in this awful situation. Uh, you're in a trial or tribulation, or it's you know people are looking at you from a from a varied angle because you're a Christian and they're not, or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. And this is a, a this is a trial. This is hard. And he doesn't say, well, you should look to get out of it. Right. He says, rejoice in it because in this, God is actually pers- he's producing something in you. Yeah. Like that is so far off, I think, Mm -hmm. from what has been promulgated in many of our, you know, sermons, um, you know, this idea of theology of suffering. Right. Yeah. Well, it's, it, you know, I imagine, yeah, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't bring people to church, I don't think. I don't think it's, it's certainly not an attractional sort of thing to talk about. but it is interesting because I think all of us, you know, when we are lying in bed at night with nothing but our thoughts, mm-hmm. we do want something to to be able to process that because we all, in in whatever way we are experiencing those hardships, you know, we're, we're all we're all there. Either we're there right now, or we have been, or we or mm-hmm. we're, we're trying to figure out why we've been put through what we're put through, right? So. Um, so I think it's easy. Yeah. So again, it's e- much easier in retrospect, but uh, I think the key is, to, is to be able to get to that place when you're in the middle of it. So how yeah. do you, how do you, because, because right now the thing is if it's too hard, yeah, I want to run away from it. Right. Like it's beyond a fight or flight even because mm-hmm. right now it seems as though a lot of people, you know, in, in my pastoral journeys anyway, sure. when I'm dealing with folks, a lot of people, the minute it gets tough, you know, there is this automatic, like, I don't want this. This is difficult. This is, whether it's marriage or whatever, right. marriage oh, or yeah. Yeah. kids or whatever, there's this, I think in all of us, there's more fight than flight. Hmm. Or sorry, there's more flight, more than, flight yeah. than fight. Yeah. And uh, so how, so what are some ways that you've, you have grounded yourself to fight, even when it is hard and you want to automatically run away? Yeah. Well, I mean, you think about, you know, there's, I mean, you've, you've made commitments to things you've made. Um, I mean, especially in marriage, uh, I mean, you know, I've been through some of those fights and I'm grateful for my wife who also was willing to fight as well. Um, you know, the easy, it would have been probably very fair just to, just to be like, you know what, that is too much. Um, but knowing again, the commitments and the covenants that you make, those things are worth fighting for. Those things are worth um, chasing, and um, I think because I think you see more, the more times you do that, the the benefit is like you're in a better place after than you ever were before. So yeah, I think you see you see enough of those things um, that maybe you start to see a pattern too. Um, I mean, it's it's sometimes easier said than done, but I think I think if you if you see 
the fruits of a fight mm-hmm. enough times, That's it good. gives you it gives you the encouragement to to press through whatever you're currently going through. Right, and I mean it, it could be. I mean, yes, marriage is one of them, but even I, I'm thinking of like life as a single person now yeah. is not the same as it used to be. Even you know in the '90s. You know, the Christian subculture in the 90s, it was, well, you're 20? Wow, you should be married and have five children by now. For sure. And now, I think this is a healthy turn where people are waiting to get married a bit bit longer or waiting to see. But but in the middle of the wait, I mean, there's a lot of temptation out there. There's a lot of stuff going on. I mean, you can only swipe right so many times. I, I cannot... Yeah, I mean, I right? I uh, I fear for my kids. I just think, my goodness, it's uh, yeah. The the you know, for me, for the few years because I got married young too. Yeah, for yeah. those few years, most of this stuff didn't exist. Right? No, and uh, so it is only it's infinitely harder. I think, and uh, it's going. Yeah, it's going to be for my for my kids who are a few years away. I imagine it's going to be even crazier. But but yeah, the 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 challenge to to stay pure, like moving into that second point too, or yeah. um, you know, it's just. You know, there's there's so so much now that we're you know even in the Christian realm, there's so much freedom that um, that I think you could get away with a lot without without really ever being challenged on something. Totally. I mean, the second point is Joseph stayed faithful to God when it didn't matter to anyone else. Yeah. I mean, literally, the culture is not looking at us and is like, hey, hey, yeah, you got to do this. Yeah. They're like, do whatever. Yeah, we don't really care <laughs> with with whomever and however many people you want. Too, well, really, so it's, and it's not only sexually. It's yeah. all. It's also like in terms of the way that you think, your integrity, yeah. the stuff that you're doing, yeah. you know, on a daily basis. You know how you're spending your money. Like yeah. nobody's looking at a bunch of Christians, and and I, th- I think this is the perception, right? People in in the Christian world think that everybody on the outside is looking in and is like, whoa, yeah, you shouldn't be doing this, right? And when really people are like, you do you, like, I don't really care what you do. Right. And, and at the end of it, really nobody, it doesn't matter to anyone else. Exactly. Especially yeah, when, when truth is so individual now too. Right. So as long as you don't impact me too much that you just keep doing what you're doing. Exactly. Yeah. And, so, uh, so really, I think like the integrity portions, the, the doing mm-hmm. what is right, even when people don't care what it is that you're doing. Like that is something that I think is very hard for us to do. Oh my goodness. Because yeah. when we were the moral majority, you had people looking in and being like, well, I know the standards. Right. You know, so I experienced this in Newfoundland, for example, where like um, a lot of, when we were pastoring there, a lot of the people in those areas still would identify as quote unquote Christian. They would say, I'm a, I'm a part of this church or that church or, or whatever. And there is still this very ingrained legalism where even people in the community, if like you were going to go to a, um, let's say a movie theater, for example, Mm -hmm. if they had been steeped in like classical Pentecostalism, they would be like, whoa, you can't do that. You can't go there and you call yourself a Christian. Right. So Newfoundland isn't post-Christian yet. Hmm. There's still very, you know, there's still a lot of spaces that are still very, I would oh, say, postmodern. Okay. Yeah, more hmm. so. Kind of a step back. But now in a post-Christian world, especially yeah. in Canada, like people don't have the same same biblical knowledge or standard knowledge mm-hmm. uh, of, of what a Christian should be like. So now when people look at you, they're like, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that must be what a, a Christian is then if that's what you're doing. Right. So the onus is on us. Yeah. Yeah. And that 
can be the most terror. I think the most. Oh, it is terrifying. Terrifying it space terrifying. to be because really, at the end of the day, you're not depending on other people no. to call you out on things. It's really between you and God. And God, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's uh, that's scary too, because um, it literally is only between you and God, and. Um, I mean, I think again, you can, you can set up all sorts of, you know, things to try and help, but it still ultimately is your responsibility totally. to be, you know, to be uh, accountable between you and God. And I think, um, I mean, I just, obviously we see some of that stuff work itself out publicly sometimes mm -hmm. for public people, but you just know that if it's working themselves out publicly for some public people, how rampant the challenge is just with normal people who yeah, doesn't have massive consequences when when things come out to light some you know other people you don't hear about it doesn't make the news when yeah. when stuff like that happens but you know even just each one of us even little choices even little decisions they don't have to be massive you know covenant breaking things they're just little things that we are now just responsible between between us and god I think that's the joy of the church though, right? Mm -hmm. Like every time you read the New Testament, there's always this sense of like, this is a community of people that are gonna call each other out mm -hmm. on all the crap that they're doing that is actually tearing the community apart. Yeah, Like they're not, con they're majoring on the majors, they're not majoring on the minors. And when they do major on the minors, the apostles are always like, stop it. Mm -hmm. That doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Like who's a better preacher, Apollos or, or Paul, right. doesn't matter right. as long as Jesus is being, but like, like take First Corinthians, for example. There's a guy in, in chapter five, some commentators would say that he's uh, an elder. He's actually having sex with his stepmother. Yeah. Or his dad, yeah, his dad's wife. Thanks. Right, and so yeah. Paul's like, no. Like you can't, even, even people outside of the church don't do this. Yeah. So he's like, listen, cast him out, like just get rid of him for a while. Let him go, go figure out that he's missing out on something great called the church. Um, and he needs to learn from his mistakes right now. Mm -hmm. and, and then at the end of it, though, Paul says something I think very interesting. He says, what business is it of mine to judge outsiders? Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, it's a whole different, uh, a whole different, you know, uh, criteria, obviously. Right. Well, it's a whole different criteria and it's a rhetorical question. Yeah. It's none of his business, right. none of our business to judge what's going on outside of the church. Yeah. But then what he's saying is it, it is, is our business yeah. Yeah. to judge what's going on inside of the church. And that we're judging, people are terrified oh, of. Yeah, for sure. We don't do that now either, right? Right. I'm, no judging. Right? No because it's because the word judgment has become yeah. I'm condemning you. Instead right. of let me judge what your actions are producing. Yeah. More of a refining thing rather than a Yeah condemning thing and and so so here's here's what i think is happening in the church i think we are actually confusing conviction for condemnation well, that's interesting interesting hmm. like i think when people actually feel guilty about something because the holy spirit's telling them mm -hmm. hey you're doing something stupid mm -hmm. um we confuse it for stop judging me right so if a brother or sister in Christ comes up to another person and says, hey, like, I've noticed this, it's probably not very healthy. Yeah. Now, the response from the person being told that is, is what most of the time? Yeah, stop judging me. Stop judging me. Yeah. How dare you yeah. judge me? Yep. 
Oh man, yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. No, I'm inter- I'm just curious because I, I feel like again that it, you're talking about that being the need in a role in the church. Uh, I feel like we we work against that with how we live our lives, though. And what, what uh, do you mean? You know, the fact that we live our lives so um, so independently of each other yeah. often, and even when we get together for our weekly small groups, if we have them, it's very easy to still live your life in a way that no one actually knows. Absolutely. So, I mean, I've always wondered, like, what would it take to to live? a life with someone where you would have no, like you couldn't hide the things that you'd want to hide. I wonder like, obviously there's, you know, I just, I just think that it, you know, it is so, it is so easy to live in a way that most people don't actually know. And anyway, even if, even if you follow the programs and the, Mm -hmm. and the things that, that, that you can still be whoever you want to be. You know, so I don't know. I'm curious to know. I don't know if there's a way because of just how our world works now. But because uh, I know it certainly used to be that you couldn't hide something. You couldn't be someone different. You couldn't. Yeah. Who you were is who you were. But I think that's a lot harder now, too. Well, I, th- I think part of it is because it's everything's so individual. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to put, like. So even when you think social media, right, like yeah. you're putting up all your highlights. Oh, yeah. You're putting up what you want people to see. Yeah. People don't see the authentic, yeah. real you when you're desperate and all alone. And mm-hmm. like, and even people that put up like, this is me authentically. It's, oh, come on. Okay, well, you put a filter <laughs> on the picture. Yeah, like, yeah. This, like yeah. you know, you're not showing you at your worst. Yeah. And I think ultimately, accountability is something that people want and need. Mm-hmm. But we're terrified of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because isn't it ultimately like I don't really want I don't want you to see who I really am. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I've done you know I've had a chance to do some storytelling, um, you know, in churches and other other in other avenues, and a lot of people are are hesitant to share you know story that that includes any sort of failure mm-hmm. or other things because they they're worried about what it does look like. Sure. Um, the interesting thing though is that when they do and 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 the more they actually tell the more people relate to where they are. So it's interesting how we do think we're the only ones that would have these struggles with character or these struggles with, um, you know, being true to, to who we're called to be. But it's amazing when you actually do tell some of that, that the the people that come out of the woodwork and go, Oh yeah, me too. Cause it can relate. Me too. I actually saw this yesterday. I was watching an interview with uh, Kirk Franklin so but but it wasn't on a christian station it was on breakfast 105 so the breakfast club so they have uh three djs that do it one of the one of the guys name is charlemagne the god yes so these guys like right now like with the presidential um race going on in the states all the big democratic um uh candidates are going there to talk to the black community because they're their uh their audience is predominantly latino and 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 african-american so Kirk Franklin goes on here. Kirk Franklin, like best known, you know, yep. if, if you have iTunes or Spotify, check out Stomp. Oh, remember that that's from a classic. back in the day? That's or a classic. Do, Revolution. Yeah. Was that what it was called? Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, so there are some classics. So he just put out a new album and he's talking on this show. And like, he's being very honest about his struggles with porn. He was talking about, they were asking him political questions about the whole abortion issue now. And he said, this is what he said. This, he is a Christian, like Christian artist, loves Jesus very much. 
And he said that at one time in his life, he said like he had actually paid one of his girlfriends to have an abortion. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And he said, I'm pro-life. But he said it would be hypocritical of me to stand up here and to start denouncing all of it uh, without being true and authentic and honest about the fact that at one point in my life, I actually, um, I actually paid for an abortion. Wow. Yeah, I mean, in, in especially in evangelical America, that's that's the biggest of the sins. That's the biggest. You cannot of the do sins. anything worse than that. You know, and and to me, it was here is the, the here's a guy who is living out his faith in a way that is so just here's everything that I am. And he even said on the show and it's worth, it's worth checking out. So go go to YouTube, check it out. Kirk Franklin. uh, I think it's the breakfast club. Just Google or type that into the search bar. But he said at one point, like the reason why he is so vulnerable, the reason why he is so open, Mm -hmm. ultimately it's so that he can kind of break down all of the ideas of what, a Christian looks like, mm. acts like, is like to the rest of the world, that all they should be seeing is a broken man that needs Jesus. Yeah. I thought that was really profound. Yeah. No, man, I definitely, that's a lot of stuff. And uh, and again, it's, it's like, well, you can listen to that and go, oh, man, you know, I'm glad he did that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm glad he did that. Yeah. And yeah. then still not, you know, it then, but then we still, you know, still for us to do the same thing is, is even more difficult. But again, grateful for people who do. And, and when, and again, when you do, when you do, when you tell those things and you share those things, it's amazing um, how it connects because there is someone literally going through the exact same thing that you are. Well, I think what struck me was that the, the DJs respected him. Hmm. They weren't, they weren't sitting there, you know, making fun of him or, or, you know, saying how awful he was. Like the fact that he was willing to show his humanity Mm -hmm. was something so attractive to them. Yeah. It was like, oh, well, you're going through it too. Like we're all broken. Yeah. And like, it actually gives him the opportunity to share who Jesus is with these people that I don't know where they are on the faith spectrum, but, but, but ultimately like here is a man that they can look at and be like, oh, well, he's not he's not just throwing shade. He's exactly. not, he's not just yeah. giving us some kind of, you know, uh, rehearsed polished thing. He's yeah. showing us his humanity. And if God can break through a, into a guy's life yeah. like that, I man, imagine what he could do in mine. Yeah. No. And that's, that's quite a story. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Anyway, but Hey, thanks for, uh, thanks for the conversation. Yeah, no, that was, that was a little heavy at the end there, but <laughs> it's good though. It's, it's good. <laughs> It was a little intense. It was intense. Well, we only have 20 minutes with the people. I know. So we want to make sure we get it all in. This is even a long one. We've got 27 minutes. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, listen, good conversations. They they happen. They do. I hope that you've enjoyed it as you've been listening. Uh, You know, really, all of this is really about thinking through what the scriptures are teaching us. And so if you're looking for any other podcast episode, I encourage you to go to elamchurch.podbean.com. Otherwise, you can find us on iTunes. Just search up Elam Church and we'll be there. And if you're wondering about Elam overall, like what, what does it look like? Uh, what is it about? Who are we? Elamchurch.ca. And for small groups as well as follow-up questions for this week, uh, are you accountable to anybody? Are you living your most authentic, most real life in front of the people that you do life with? Are you doing life with anybody or do you feel like people don't really know you? Is there a fear that if people actually knew who you were, that they would reject you? 
And when you look at the story of Joseph and he refuses to quit, do you have that kind of grit in the middle of all your situations, all the circumstances and problems that you're facing? Are you having trouble finding spaces where you can actually persevere in that? And what do you need to be able to do that? Second of all, also when we look at the whole life of Joseph and he's, he's non-compromised, like he stays faithful even when, uh, it didn't matter to anyone else. How are you doing in that area? When it comes to work, family, friends, what you do in private, when no one is looking, when your head hits the pillow at night, how are you doing there? Are you living out your faith in a way that is true to what you want uh, your faith to look like? And even when the rest of the world doesn't care what you do, do you care what you do? And so those are all questions to ask yourself this week. Listen, uh, Carl, thanks again for just having a good conversation. And we'll, uh, we'll see you next week.